Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. I find in my own life that when I have a goal out in front of me, when, the, when there's something to look forward to, when, when there's a dream, when there's a, a vision, there's a preferred future out in front of me, I find I'm a whole lot more productive. I, I find that I, I wake up with passion and, and there's something to drive toward. I hope you have a goal in, in your life. Now, there, there is an ultimate goal that I think each and every one of us should have, and, and that would be that we would look like Jesus. Jesus is the, the, the best person who has ever lived hands down. Like he's God and he's man. He is the God man. He is absolutely perfect. Now we will never attain to that place of being absolutely perfect. But if there was a preferred vision for me, like if I could look more and more like Christ, I think you would like me more. I think, I think my wife would like me more. The more like Christ, the better my life is. And so I think if we could keep in front of us this picture, this goal of I want to look like that. I want to live my life the way that Jesus lived his life. I think that would be great. So so that would be a great goal and dream and vision in front of you. But the question becomes, what does a wholehearted follower of Jesus look like? And we use the word wholehearted around here a lot to talk about this idea of, of having, you know, just a genuine passionate, real kind of relationship with Jesus Christ. But what does that look like? Like if that's our goal, if that's the, the dream and the vision for our lives, what does it look like if we hit the mark? What, what is that image like? Now, unfortunately in America, I think all too often we get this wrong. In, in Christian America, when we start getting a picture of what a wholehearted follower of Jesus or a Christian, what a Christian looks like, I, I don't think that we really get it right. If you ask some people, what does a wholehearted follower of Jesus look like? They would say, well, that's based on what a person does. Like a wholehearted follower of Jesus, they get to church on Sunday. They, they read their Bible and they pray and they give 10% and they go on missions and uh, they evangelize and share the gospel with their neighbor. Uh, th- this is what a Christian is. This is what a Christian does. You try to be a good person, whatever that might look like. I'm just trying to be a good Christian. And then there's not just the good things that I'm trying to do. There's the bad things that I don't do. And so a, a good Christian isn't doing certain things, but that's always a moving target because everybody's kind of got a, a different uh, description of what you don't do. It used to be, uh, I don't chew or uh, I don't drink or chew and I don't run around with girls who do. You know, maybe you've heard that one before. Like, well, that's a real high bar uh, for you, but it's a moving target what you don't do. So if you ask some people, what's a wholehearted follower of Jesus look like? They would say it's based on things that you do or you don't do. That would be a performance-based religion. And if that is the way that you're living your Christian life, you most likely are very disappointed and frustrated. If you rock around going, man, I just can't get my act together, you're probably basing it on what you are doing because you walk in here and you look at everybody else and you think, well, they've got, they're doing fine. They've got it going on. We walk in here. You all look good, by the way. I don't know what, you know, Pastor Trey was talking about. Um, you look good. 
your family is smiling. Like if you, if you look under uh, the hood of my life, I'm broken. I'm a mess. And you keep looking at everybody else like they've got it together. I'm just the screwed up one. But I, I don't think that our Christianity and our life in Christ should be based on performance and those things that we are doing. That's the wrong target. Another way that people would try to define what does a wholehearted follower of uh, Jesus Christ look like, they would say, well, it's not based on the things that you do. It's based on what you know. It's based on the information that you have in your head. You get the right information in your head, you'll be doing fine. You, you just get the right information from the Bible. It's not performance, it's information. A wholehearted follower of Jesus, well, they, they know the right things. They, they have the right theology. It's a matter of going through the right classes in the right order, and you get a good enough grade in those classes. You just keep moving on. 101, 201, 301, 401, wholehearted Christian. I've done it. Give me the stamp. Give me the sticker. I've arrived. Now, what, I, what I'm not saying is that behavior and belief have nothing to do with being a wholehearted follower of Jesus. It does. I'm just saying that's not a complete picture. That's not the full target. That's not the aim of what we're looking for. That is not what the New Testament calls us to be and to do when it comes to being a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. I I think we've complicated it. Here in America, what what it means to be a Christian, uh, just slap the label on you because you were born in this country, or you do a lot of things, like you showed up in church today, or you have right information about the history of the good news of Jesus Christ. Look at what this passage says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. The Apostle Paul, he writes this to the Corinthian church. He says, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Paul says, there's a sincere and a pure devotion to Jesus There is a simplicity of the gospel, and there is a simplicity to our wholehearted walk with Jesus, but we tend to complicate it. We we tend to make it a little bit more difficult because of performance, and so we complicate that or we'll numb ourselves with information, and our natural tendency, who we are in our flesh, is to kind of drift in this direction of, like, I'm going to work for God, I'm going to perform, I'm going to get right information in my head, and it, you know, led fully out, it ends up being something that just fills us with pride, and we look around and we say, well, have you seen what I've been doing for Jesus lately? Have you seen how I've been performing up on the platform? Do you know what I know? I know what you don't know. I have more information. I have secret knowledge from God. And then we lean into performance. We lean into information. We start to compare ourselves to others. But that is not a sincere and pure devotion to Jesus. In its simplest terms, you and I, we are called to be disciples. Disciples of Jesus Christ. Here here at the church, we we talk about inspiring people to become wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. Wholehearted disciples. And that word disciple, it literally means a learner, but it goes beyond that. It, it It is based on a relationship where you have the one who is the disciple, the learner, and they are walking in the footsteps of their rabbi. They are listening to their teacher. They are involved in a relationship with their teacher. There is this connection between them. And so our target as a church is to inspire people to become wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. A disciple exists 
in relationship with Jesus. We've been invited into a relationship with the living God through his son, Jesus Christ. The life of Jesus, it's all about relationships. And I know we've, we've talked about this as a, as a church. You hear me talk about this all the time, about how important it is for relationships. And so we're going to review that kind of thing once again today. If you look at every account of Jesus's life, like if you open up the gospels, you would find that there are three primary relationships that Jesus is involved in. In fact, if you're not doing a study right now and you're like, well, I don't know what to study, open up the gospels, maybe get three different colored markers, highlighters, and go through and Put them in these categories. The first category of relationship that Jesus had that you can go through the gospels and you can say, okay, I see it here. It's his relationship with the father, his relationship with his heavenly father. We see it over and over. So like before Jesus goes and he starts his public ministry, the spirit of God leads him out into the wilderness. He's out there for 40 days and 40 nights. He's having this relationship and communion with his heavenly father. Before Jesus goes and he chooses his disciples the night before that, he spent the night in prayer. We find Jesus common. He's just withdrawing so many times. He's going to these desolate places, the Bible says. He goes early in the morning. He's spending all of this time communicating with praying to his heavenly father. We find him in the garden of Gethsemane and he's praying to his father. He says, when you're hearing my words, you're not just hearing my words. You are hearing the words of the father that he has instructed me to share with you. So over and over what we find in the life of Jesus Christ is his dependence on the father. The second relationship. So if you're going through with your markers in the gospels, the second relationship would be his relationship with the disciples, his friends, the disciples. Jesus' relationship with the Father begins to overflow in this relationship with the disciples. So you look and they're, they're eating together. They're walking with one another. Every now and then Jesus is inviting them to witness or take part in a miracle that he's doing. He's just instructing them and teaching them. Sometimes it's with like the big group of disciples. Like there's more than just the 12. He's got this whole group of people that's following him. Sometimes it's the 12. Sometimes it's just three or four, the inner circle. And every now and then it's one-on-one, -on -one, but he's investing and pouring out his life into his disciples. He has this love for his heavenly father. That love is being poured into his heart. It is then overflowing out of his cup upon the disciples who are around him. And that then leads into the third relationship relationship, the third category that you can go through with a highlighter and start marking, and that would be Jesus's relationship with the world. With the world. Not, not the things of the world, but the people in the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. These are the people who have yet to have a relationship with God. And you go through the gospels and you find it all the time. You get into John chapter four, you see Jesus and he, he begins having this conversation with a Samaritan woman at a well. John chapter eight, there's the woman who's caught in adultery. Luke chapter 19. You have Jesus interacting with Zacchaeus. You have Jesus feeding the multitudes, instructing the multitudes, talking to people who are far from God so that they might come to know him. So he has this relationship with his heavenly father. And that relationship then pours over into his relationship with the disciples. And that then spills over into his relationship with the world. The life of Jesus is all about relationships. That's the life of Christ. And as Christians, if you're going to carry that moniker, hold on to that label, as a Christian, your life is all about relationships because your life is to be all about Christ. It is Christ 
in you. You and I are to reflect the image of God. This goes all the way back to the beginning. In the beginning, when God created everything, he creates mankind. He says, let us create man in our image. And so mankind, men and women, are to be image bearers of their God, of their creator. And then we screwed up that image pretty early on in the garden when we sinned and we broke that fellowship. But God had in mind to restore the fellowship so that we could bear his image and his name once again. So he sends his son, Jesus Christ. And throughout the Bible, we find him talking about us being in Christ and Christ in us. This this union, this closeness, this relationship. The life of a Christian is a life where we're not living for Jesus, but Christ is living through us. Your Christian life is not you working for Jesus, getting more information about him, but him filling your life and him living his life through you. And if Christ is in you, wouldn't it stand to reason then that you would love what he loves? That your relationships would would revolve around the same relationships as Jesus. And his relationships were with his heavenly father, his disciples, and the world. That's the call. That's what we are called to do, but we don't naturally drift that way. We naturally drift towards self. We, we naturally drift towards, I, I don't need anybody else. God, I've got this. Not really interested in your instructions, your, your commands, obeying you. I, I really find it difficult sometimes to deal with the people around me, so I think I'll just kind of pull back there, and boy, this world is a mess. Uh, just take me out of here. Thank you very much, Jesus. So every now and then, As believers in Jesus Christ, we need to recalibrate, recalibrate our heart, recalibrate what does it mean to be a wholehearted follower of Jesus? What does it mean to keep this image and this vision of a preferred future of looking like the one who has saved me? So let's talk about that. And I'm going to give you some statements, three very simple statements. Today's today's review, uh, if you've been here for a while, uh, you've heard this kind of thing before. We spoke on this two or three years ago. I bring it up every now and then. If you're not a Christian, this is basic information, just one-on-one basic kinds of how do we live. So this is the first one. Following Jesus is all about a relationship with God. Pretty simple, right? Following Jesus is all about a relationship with God. This is the starting point. And if you don't get this one right... None of the others are going to matter because this is foundational. Having a relationship with our heavenly father, knowing him, then flows into every other relationship that we would have with those who are around us. This is what scripture says. John 17, verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ, he's speaking in third person, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life isn't simply going to heaven when you die. Eternal life is not a destination. Eternal life is a relationship. This is eternal life that they know you See, heaven, heaven, you get to heaven because of the relationship. And heaven is awesome because of the relationship. Heaven is awesome because Jesus is there. 
Heaven is awesome because our creator is there. Heaven wouldn't be heaven if it weren't for our maker and if it weren't for the one who saved us and redeemed us. I have this idea like when we get to heaven, when I get to heaven, I have this idea where I don't think I'm going to be standing in front of God. I think I'm going to be face down. I don't know if you can get a broken bloody nose, but I'm just going down, pretty sure of that. And when I see Jesus Christ, I hope there's not like, you know, posse, keep away from Jesus. I'm running up and I'm hugging the man. Like I'm here because of you. Not because of my performance or any kind of knowledge that I got going on in this little brain of mine, but because of you. Heaven is heaven because of Jesus. And this word no, this word no speaks of a relationship. It implies personal relationship and fellowship. The relationship with your creator, it is more important than anything else. Anything else that this world could provide, any success that you might have in business, uh, your, your bank account, your car, your homes, your family, anything, this relationship with your maker is the most important thing. This is Christianity. Christianity is not a system. It ain't this building It is not a set of rituals that we go through. It it is not us working hard. This is a relationship. The good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of Christianity is that Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. That God sent his son, God in the flesh, to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves at a moment in time that Jesus would go to the cross and carry our sin to take all of that brokenness that separates us from our maker. He took it upon himself and he died on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. He was buried in a tomb third day, comes alive to defeat hell, death, and the grave. So that by God's grace, that would be a gift from God. We place our faith in Jesus Christ and now we have a living hope. Eternal life in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And everything that we do, right? All this stuff that we kind of talk about, what's a good Christian? Everything else that we do, it flows out of the relationship. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. Coming to church week after week, if you come here and you're like, why do we have to go there? You've missed the relationship. If you came in and you're like, why are they singing? Why are their hands up? Somebody have a question? What is going on? Listening to some dude up here, it only makes sense in the context of a relationship. Otherwise, it's just formality. It is knowing our Heavenly Father. And because of this relationship, knowing that he sent his son for a worm like me to redeem me so that I can know him and have eternal life through him. Man, I just want to get closer to him. I want to know this God. I want to love this God. And because of that, I want to spend time with them. So, so here's another phrase that we use around here. We talk about God time. God time. Time with God is God time. And so I, I, we have these moments where we're personally spending time with him. Like, I want to know what God is saying. And he's given it. He's provided it through his word. And so I'm interacting with his word. And I'm praying. And I'm talking to him. Not because I have to. I've been invited to. And then we come in here and we spend time with God. We do it as the body gathered corporately. We, we love him. We're spending time in his presence. It's not what I have to do to be a good Christian. It is what I've been invited to do out of the relationship. Look, look at John 15, 5. John 15, 5. Jesus is speaking. He says this. 
I'm the vine, you're the branches. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ yet, you read through the Gospels. Just go ahead and read the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and start looking at the number of times that Jesus makes these, these kinds of statements like, I'm it. <laughs> you need me. You need to be connected to me. And this is one of the times. Jesus says, I'm the vine. <clears throat> you, my followers, you're the branches. Whoever abides, that means remains in, spends time with, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So here again, we have this union with Christ. I'm in him, he's in me. He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nada, zilch, nothing. You can't do a single thing without Christ. It is the fruit. Fruit is the overflow of the life that's in the vine. So, so the vine holds all the nutrients. The vine is what has the, the fruit itself. It's being pushed out through the branches. You take a branch, you got an apple tree or some kind of fruit tree in your, in, in your yard, cut a branch off, throw it in your lawn. It's not going to produce fruit. It's going to die. There is nothing that you and I can do that will have lasting value apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Christ. It is in an intimate relationship that he calls us to. This is the call of a believer. If we're going to look like Christ, then we're going to love God and we're going to spend time with our heavenly father. So the second statement is this. Following Jesus is about a relationship with other believers. Jesus spent time with his disciples. We need to spend time with his disciples. We need to be with other Christians. Now, a lot of Christians will think, okay, my Christian walk is private. Nobody needs to know about it. Nobody, nobody out in the world, nobody at my workplace, other people. It is a private matter. No, it's not. Our Christianity is not private. It's personal. It means something. Some people say, I don't, I don't need the church. I don't need others. Just me and God, you know, get me out in nature. Let me, let me do my thing alone. That's not what Jesus thought. That's not the way that Jesus lived. He lived in relationship with others. Remember when God made the world, he makes man, makes Adam. He's looked at everything. God says, good, 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 good. Makes Adam. He goes, oh, that's not good. It's always women who laugh first at that one. I don't understand. He says, it's not good that the man's alone. Like, this isn't completing the picture. So he makes Eve. You have Adam, Eve, and God, community. Adam and Eve have a child, community, a family. That family becomes an extended family, more community. It becomes a, a city, a community. It becomes nations, community. We are not made to live in isolation. 2020 taught us that. We're not made to be alone. We are made to have fellowship with others. We're made for community. John 15, 12. Jesus says, this is my commandment. So this is a command. Like, you don't get like, uh, I want to opt out of this one, Jesus. This is my command. That you love one another as I have loved you. And the way that you love one another is by being in proximity the best way that you and I carry out all of the one another's, I think there's something like 40 different kind of one another's in the Bible. The best way that we carry that out is by being in close proximity to one another. And because I have a relationship with God, I now have a relationship with you. And you have a relationship with me. 
I'm sorry, right? Like, you know, sometimes it, it becomes challenging. Like, I don't know that I want to necessarily get along or be connected with some of these people that are difficult to be around. But this is the way. This is the way that we deepen our relationship with our Heavenly Father by being around the other disciples and being refined by the Spirit of God so that we might know what it means to forgive and to be forgiven, to bless others and to be blessed by others. And so for that to happen, again, just like spending time with God, we have to spend time with one another. We call this group time, group time, time with other individuals. Here in our church, we've kind of labeled it life groups. If you've been to other churches before, they'll call it small groups or community groups. We call them life groups at this church. We, we think that, you know, we can come together and this is a unique kind of moment when we're here as the body gathered. This, is, this isn't something that always kind of is happening in every environment. So this is unique for us to corporately worship God. But this really isn't a conducive environment to one anothering. I just made that up. Uh, we, we, can't really, we can't really do that. You might be able to do it when you kind of spill out of here and hopefully you're praying for one another after the service, asking how you're doing. Or maybe you go out and you grab a cup of coffee and you get beyond, hey, this weather is a little wet and I think it's going to get cold. But no, if I could just say, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? Let me give you a call this week. How can I pray for you? I'm going to send you a card. You're getting a gift card from me. I don't know. But in some way, we're interacting with one another. So we spend time in smaller groups. We get into each other's homes and we get in circles and we start encouraging one another, sharpening one another. That the church, the local church is where this kind of thing happens. This is why God has designed the church universal and the church local so that you and I might be connected to other believers. This is the place. This is my church home. This is my church family where God is refining me and shaping me. This is where he has asked me to come and to take the spiritual gifts that he's put in me to give to you. The spiritual gifts I have, they're not for me. They're for you. The spiritual gifts you have, they're not for you. They're for others. We are to give that to those who are around us. This is where we grow to be more like Christ. So following Jesus it's about this relationship with God. It's about relationship with other believers. And then following God is about a relationship with the world around us. Now, we typically look at this category of um, blessing and being connected to the world around us. We call this two different terms. We call this evangelism and missions. Evangelism missions. And we think, well, that, that's for the spiritually elite. That, that's for the people that went through class 401 and beyond. I mean, this is for the highly spiritual individuals. We're like, you know what? We just, we're going to stay in our own little safe huddle and we're going to pray and we're going to pray that the pastor doesn't ask us to do evangelism and missions. Uh, and then we're going to pray for those who are doing evangelism out there on the front and just kind of telling people about the gospel at work and, you know, wherever they go. And they're the weird ones. And we're, we're not going to go on mission. We, we're just simply going to give money to people who are on missions. Like, hey, good for you. You keep doing your thing. I'm going to do my thing. I'm not involved in that. But this isn't for the spiritually elite SEAL Team 6 Christians. This is for all of us. What it means to love the world around us. Again, it is the life of Christ in us. He left heaven. And from what I hear, that's a pretty nice place. And he came here. And from what I see, this is a dump. It's a mess. He came here out of love. He came here for a world that was lost in darkness. 
separated from him to reach out to them. And we now have Christ in us. This is the way Jesus put it in John 17, verse 18. Again, another side note. Uh, This is what happens when I don't get enough sleep. Uh, John 17 would be a great thing for you to read sometime. It's the high priestly prayer or the intercessory prayer of Jesus. Just a beautiful, beautiful thing to hear Jesus pray for us. Uh, Verse 18, he says to the Father, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Now the them is us. Them is you. (laughs) Them is me. That's us. Christ lives in us. Christ has come to reach the world. How is Jesus Christ going to reach this world? Through you. Through us. He doesn't necessarily need us to do that, but he wants us to do that. The life of Christ living in us begins to reach out to those who are around us who have yet to come to know him. We have to let the life of Christ so permeate us that we don't just simply put on our Christian hat when we walk in here and sing some songs and this is the safe place, but this is what we do everywhere all the time. Because again, we're wholehearted followers of Jesus with a relationship with our heavenly father, being encouraged and blessed by our church family. And that then spilling out on the world around us that has yet to know the good news of who Jesus Christ is. And so mission, mission isn't just simply what we do. Mission is who we are. It's part of our DNA. Christ is in us. Christ left heaven, came to earth, died for our sins, rose from the grave to give us life, sent his spirit back in his place to fill us so we might walk out this good news everywhere we go. So that means that that my job and, and your job and no matter what your job is, no matter what your hobbies are, your passions are, every place you go becomes an opportunity for you to let the life of Jesus Christ out. So that other people can see it and long for what you have. Our life is to be lived on mission. It's an adventure. Every day that we get up is an opportunity to look for a little opportunity to speak life into others, to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm looking at Pastor McQuan, and I'm thinking about how many times I've gone out with Pastor McQuan, and and we'll just be at a restaurant, and he's just like, you get to hear about Jesus. He just walks up to him, tells him about Jesus. Uh, I remember being on the phone with the IRS. He's telling them about Jesus. I'm like, yeah, it's good. Like, can you put your friends on the line? Right? But that, we look at that kind of thing and we're like, well, that's just, no, that's the life of Christ in us where we begin to look for opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. Friends, one day Jesus is coming back, right? He's the ultimate terminator. I'll be back, <laughs> right? And when he comes back, he's setting up his eternal kingdom. Right now he's king of kings and he's Lord of lords and he is going to set that up on this earth. And when he sets that up on this earth, there will be people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation worshiping him. And until that moment comes, you and I are instructed to make heaven crowded. Let's keep pushing in. Let's keep telling people about this love of Jesus Christ. Like I love the father. I love his body of believers. And I love the world around me so much so that I am willing to say, Jesus is the answer that you have been looking for. What does it look like 
to be a wholehearted follower of Jesus? It's all about relationships. A relationship with our Heavenly Father. A relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And a relationship with the world around us. Look how all of this is summed up in, in John chapter 13. We'll close with this. John 13, verse 34 and 35. Jesus says, a new commandment. You don't get an option on this one. This is a command of Jesus. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Now that's old. We heard that all the way back in Deuteronomy. We've, we've heard this, that you love one another. This is new. Just, love one another, just as I have loved you. God in heaven, your maker, your creator, who gave you a body, gave you a soul, gave you a mind, loved you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to show his love, not just talk about it, but to show his love to the ultimate degree that he would die in your place. Enemies of his, rebels, and yet he would die. That's how much God loves you. And so, I want to love God. As I have loved you, you also are to love one another. You are to have the life of Christ in you, this relationship with him, with him that overflows into this loving relationship with the people that you're sitting around today, the people in the body of Christ, other believers. He goes on. He says, by this, all people, and all people means the all people, not just Christians, all the people in the world who begin to look at you with the love of God filling you, with the love of God spilling out of you on every other person in this room, by this all people will know that you are my disciples. There's that relational word, my disciples. If you have love for one another. Following Jesus, it's all about a relationship with God. It's all about a relationship with other believers. It's all about a relationship with the world. Imagine what it would look like, right? Preferred future goal out in front of us. Imagine what it would look like in your life if your life was marked by these relationships. Permeating you. Imagine what your home would look like. Your relationship with your, with your spouse, with your children, with your grandchildren. Imagine what it looks like in, a, in an environment, in a room like this, where we are wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ where we are filled by his spirit and we are filled with love and gratitude for the redemption that he has given to us so much so that it's overflowing and it begins to overflow on the other people in this room. I tell you what, you get into a church body like that where there's wholehearted people in a relationship with God and then with one another, all the other people, they'll beat down the doors to get into that kind of place. Like what is happening? I've longed for that kind of love. Imagine what happens in this community. Imagine what happens when people are marked, not by performance, not by information, but by a relationship with the living God. Imagine what happens for generations to come as a result of that. Let's pray. Father, we can't do this on our own. I, I don't have enough energy. I, I don't have enough goodness to carry out this kind of love. I need you to pour it into my heart. Thank you for loving me first. Thank you for loving me when I didn't even love you. I pray that I would be marked by your son, Jesus Christ. 
I pray, Lord, that this church body would be marked by a love for Jesus. Not just simply in the things that we talk about on a Sunday or that we sing about, but in word, in action, in relationship. That we would love you with our time. That we would love you by spending time with you and that would transform the way that we interact with those who are around us in our own homes, in this church, at our workplaces, at school, in this community, in this nation for your glory. And again, we don't do this on our own. We need you and we thank you for filling us with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvilleroad.cc. God bless you.